How's it guys? My name is Mark Haystick and you're listening to the Birding Life Youth Podcast. So remember the lesser white throat here in South Africa. Today I have two more oaks that I'm going to have a chit chat to who tried for the bird. And this time they drove a bit further than Joan and Yandre did from Gauteng. They were one of my previous guests in a, po- a podcast episode I did a couple of weeks ago. Um, but these guys came from KZN in uh, South Africa. So today we have Tristan Nordia, an ambassador of the birding life. Say hi, Tristan. How's it, guys? And Declan Yordan on the podcast today. Say hi, Declan. How's it? So you guys drove however long that journey was from KwaZulu-Natal up to Marloth Park um, in, I think it was Limpopo, hey? Mpumalanga. Um, Mpumalanga. Wow, Mpumalanga, okay. Oh yeah, Mpumalanga. And then you got to the location and it was probably much later on in the day. Then what? What did you guys get up to? So when we first arrived, we immediately got out of the park and start, uh, out of the car and started talking to people about where they had seen the bird and they gave us an area where it hung out. So we tended to stick to around that part of the park, but after around 10 minutes of not finding it, we decided to walk around a little bit and um, managed to get a few birds, a few very good birds that I had never seen before, such as brown-headed parrot. And then on our way back on our second loop of that area, I managed to find the lesser white throat in a patch of aloes on the floor. <laughs> right. So you guys got there, you were scouting around, but the way you guys told it earlier was quite funny. I mean, you get there, you're looking around and... I don't know, just kind of retell that how you told it to me a bit earlier. Yeah, um, <laughs> so it was quite odd. So we're driving into the resort, uh, Hank Royan. Um, we arrive, we uh, get our accommodation ready, whatever. Go straight to the location where the bird is. And get off the car, start walking. And as Declan says, on the second loop back, there's like this little island in, in the middle of the road. It's got a pond, like one single lonely tree and a bunch of aloes. And Declan's like, hey, there's an odd bird over here. So then I rush over and there it is, just feeding amongst the plants there. But in the aloes? Yeah. Somewhere, that's that's so weird. I mean, uh, when I was chatting to Yandra and Juan, um, who came to Twitch from Gauteng, they said they saw it in the trees. I don't know if it was the acacia trees or something. But they like searched around for it and stuff and they found it in the trees. And now you guys saw it on the ground, like in the aloes. That's like, that's a bit weird. <laughs> um, well, I mean, the bird was a bit lost being the first record for the first confirmed record for the Southern Hemisphere. So I'm guessing I was just exploring around a bit. Um, but I mean, yeah, I mean, it was your guys' first giga, am I right? Yeah. Yes. What other twitches have you guys done like this? Uh white cheek turn we've met up um and buff breasted sandpiper i would suppose yeah and then i've also gotten the lesser noddy in cape town when i was on a family trip there that's quite lucky so i mean you guys have gotten to see some pretty top-notch birds uh during this year and last year i'd assume um like i mean as I've talked about this before, we've had the Suti Girl, Wachi Turn, Buff Breasted Sandpipers. Myself and Justin found the Buff Breasted Sandpipers in the Garden Route in December. And then the one in the, in KZN, when was that found? Oh. Uh, oh. Can't remember exactly <laughs> when. I mean, it's it's a pretty mega bird. I mean, and, and I think 
there's been a bunch of other mega birds seen so it's like not that special compared to all the others because after that hurricane eloise like came and there's all these mega and giga birds coming it's kind of like not not top of the list anymore because there's so many other rarities it's been a pretty hectic year um with all the rarities in south africa from from what i can see and talking about a giga we were we were actually thinking about it and the thought came up what what defines a giga rarity because i mean you get mega rare rare and you get like provincial rare you get this rare that rare then there's a mega rarity on on uncle trevor's <laughs> rarity reports and then you get a giga every now and then but i mean you know what, what defines a giga i personally think it's similar to what defines like a mega in a way but just a word that's used to like catch the arm or catch the ear as like a oh that sounds cool that must be super rare and um, just use the something that's higher than mega and i guess in a way sounds cooler yeah no because i mean all the the giga reports that i've i've seen have been of first records for the uh, sub-region but I'm, I'm not sure i'd actually like to find out you know is, is there a, a certain number of, of records that it has to reach or or if it gets to a certain number of records it then gets declassified down to a mega rarity if it pitches up in the region um, because I've never seen this description before and I, we googled it just now I couldn't find uh, I, I didn't look long enough but you know all the Wikipedia this stuff refers to like I don't know it gives me the technical names like it refers to billions or millions and stuff but it has nothing to do with birds so you kind of need a birders dictionary Personally, I think there should be one of those out. I don't know if you guys have heard of a birder's dictionary, have you? No. That would come in pretty handy at this at this stage. Um, but Joe, a giga rarity, um, as far as I can see and tell, it's for the first record for a, a certain region. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's <laughs> just an interesting thought. I'm wondering if there's anyone out there who knows what that means. If you do know. Let the birding life know, and I'd love to hear what you guys have to say. But anyways, um, yeah, I mean, so it was the first confirmed record, but you guys tell me there was also an unconfirmed record in the Southern Hemisphere. Yes, so while at the spot where the lesser whitethroat is, uh, I met with a birding guide who owns his own company, and I've forgotten the name of it. But I got chatting away to him, talking about birds, and he was, uh, I was speaking about how rare this bird was. And I just mentioned this is the first record in the Southern Hemisphere. And he said, no, actually, this is the first confirmed record. There's a unconfirmed record somewhere. I think it's Tanzania. Tanzania, jeepers. Yeah, that's that's quite a lot further up. Um, and do you guys, I haven't actually looked into it, but do you guys know where they, they usually occur in Africa? Have they been sighted much in Africa I did see a regional map that showed where they normally are. They breed in the uh, in Europe, but they do come down to Africa. I don't know the names of the country. It's slightly a bit more to the left of Somalia and a bit north. Well, I'm going to quickly grab my Birds of Africa book. Sure. So Lesser White Road says, yeah, just next to Ethiopia, a sort of area, and above the DRC... Just below, yeah, just below, but uh, just um, in the area of sub-Sahara. So 
It says that the status locally common Palearctic migrant, mostly October to, to March. Um, similar species, Hume's white throat. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. No, that's quite interesting. Um, have to travel quite far to go see it. But yeah, no, um, to hear that there's at least another record, whether it's confirmed or unconfirmed in the Southern Hemisphere is quite exciting anyways. And then after your guys twitch, I don't know, did you did you see anything, any anything else interesting while you were looking at the bird there? I definitely did because it was my first time up in the area. So I got quite a few laughers. I got oh, 10 yeah, laughers sure. in total. What did you see? Brown-headed parrot, uh, white-browed robin chat, greater blue-eared starling, um, the white-headed vulture, hooded vulture, gray-billed hornbill. What were your highlights in the area of the white throat? The area of the white throat? For me personally, it was probably the Miller's Platana because I've looked for them before and all that gazed in. <laughs> that's a rather featherless bird. <laughs> yeah. No, but that's cool. Yeah, mine within the area of the white throat, um, it's a tough one. I would probably say the highlight would be finding a colony of uh, white-fronted beaters at their nesting hole. Oh, right. In front of the restaurant, just under the deck. Right, because you guys said you had dinner at the restaurant there. Um, and uh, if it, I mean, if the beaters were right in front of the restaurant at the deck there, they must have been making quite a bit of a, bit of a noise. They were, yeah. With their weird chirping, arguing noises. And what else did you see at the restaurant there? We well, saw um, a pair of brown-headed parrots. That came and uh, uh, were feeding on, what was it? I think it was a buffalo thorn. Uh, it was river willow. Yeah. And they were feeding there, a pair of them, and I got uh, one decent photo of them. Another thing also, while we were eating dinner there, we heard this weird, uh, I don't know how to describe the call, but this like eerie, I don't know if I can say banshee-like call. And now we're wondering what it could be like we thought oh maybe there's a corsa of some sort out there so then we go wondering we have to ask for permission to uh, shine the torch around the ground so they don't think we poachers and mm, turns out it was just some uh, thick knees oh thick knees um <laughs> oh that's quite cool yeah the dickops when when i was in kruger last year um i was walking around the lodge where we were staying and yo, I mean, my friend wasn't a birder. He isn't a birder, but I mean, yeah, both nature lovers. So, I mean, after dark, we went around walking the walking around the lodge, looking for what we could see. And we were at the fence of the our lodge was at the the fence of the Crocodile River, and so it was quite a nice view and stuff. But around the camp, we heard this like really sharp squeaking sound. Um, and I don't know what yours sounded like, but this this was so weird. I, I looked at my friend, I was like, what on earth could that be? And then it suddenly clicked. It must be a bush baby. And I'd never heard a bush baby before. Um, never never, see, never seen one before. And it was one of the targets my friend and I had set for ourselves for that trip. And so we're walking around, walking around, and I shone my torch up in the tree. And his big, like, glowing eyes started looking down at us. It was like this tiny little, it was, a, it was the lesser Gallego or the... Lesser bush baby, it was the t it was the the small one, um, and then we also got to see the the, the other Gallego that evening. But yeah, the greater Gallego, and um, yeah, thick tailed. I think I think so. Um, I think both of those names are correct. But I was chatting to um, Zach in my previous podcast episode how that thing flipping 
Yes, sir. I mean, firstly, the call is quite ridiculous how high-pitched it is and quite freaky if you don't know what, what you're listening to. <laughs> but after you know knowing what it was, it was, it was quite cool to listen to when you go to sleep listening to the bush sounds. But the thing flipping jumps about, I don't know, 10 meters like from tree to tree and you're looking at it the one second, the next second it's in a, in a tree behind you. It's absolutely crazy. But what an awesome time they, they, they gave us. It was really fun watching those creatures. This is going off topic of the Kruger trip, but I might as well uh, mention this. Where I live, so on the outskirts of Durban and the Kranzkloof Nature Reserve and some areas that connect to here, there's an isolated population of the thick-tailed Galagos. And in winter, there's a fig tree behind us. When, that win uh, when, when it's in winter and it's bearing fruit, uh, we often hear them calling at night and coming into the tree. Sheesh. Now, isolated populations, I tell you, are, are, are pretty interesting, pretty, pretty interesting things, especially, you know, with birds. I mean, you get that, I forgot, I forget the name now, that one woodpecker, but you get like a pearl-spotted owlet. Um, you, we actually get them sort of near Beaufort Vess in the Karoo area, probably the most south range for the pearl-spotted owlet. Um, and it's only around a small area um, in the, the, the western or the northern Cape that you get to see them and i mean it, it's it's something else and sometimes they they lead to being a different subspecies i don't know if if you've heard if that that gallego is a different subspecies maybe uh i'm not sure i must do some research into it yeah maybe you should uh check our naturalist out <laughs> <laughs> i will yeah i was busy teasing tristan and declan to get onto our naturalist so <laughs> yeah but uh i'm sure we can save that for another chat um but yeah guys i think um so yeah, I mean, after you, you twitch that uh, Y throat, you kind of put a cherry on the top by taking a trip into the Kruger Park. Yes, we did indeed. Um, we left early. We arrived there uh, just after two o'clock. We twitched the Y throat. Then we went to our accommodation, or actually we first ate lunch, uh, supper. Then we went to our accommodation. We woke up early the next morning, just before the gates opens at Kruger, went to uh, Crocodile Bridge waited there were probably about five cars in front of us waiting to enter uh did covid whatever forms and stuff then we entered uh and we pretty much took a slow drive from there stopping for any movement checking what birds we could because we were also doing a pentat at that time on bird lasso that's quite uh it's quite a luxury to be able to do that on my trip i went on on my trip that i I did last year with my my not so birding friend. Um, we, <laughs> him and his parents, were not birders at all. But as I said, you know, they're full on nature lovers. So I mean, we'd look at the big birds and the mammals and the small mammals, but never like um, helmet tracks or you know wires or anything like that. Oh, it's just another mossy or sparrow, you know. So I'd, it was. I saw a couple of lifers that I just had to look at for a few seconds as we were driving. And then just let it go because I, I knew I couldn't just say, stop the car, stop the car, because I think it's a leopard or something. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, a couple of the lifers I got on that trip last year um, were of, of me just looking at the bird for a couple of seconds as we we're driving. And then that's it. You know, that's my first sighting and only sighting I've had of that species. But I got a couple of nice lifers anyway. The, Kr the Kruger always has surprises around every corner. So, so yeah, I mean... Um, what 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 did the atlasing produce for you guys? 
Oh, well, got um, my year list up by quite a, quite a significant amount. Um, I think I first downloaded, yeah, I first downloaded Birdlasser on the 25th of August. And since then, I've seen 526 species of birds. And the Kruger trip pushed it up by about 20, I think. Yeah, I'm sure it would have. Eh? I remember my first trip to Kruger, I got 88 lifers. And yeah. <laughs> I don't have to say any more that it was it was pretty epic. <laughs> um but uh, you you guys used a pretty cool method um when you were driving along. Um and oh, I I think it was a pretty cool method anyway, but I mean driving in the park, you weren't just waiting for traffic jams to go look at a leopard in a, in a tree or something. You guys were birding and so you stopped every now and then, but uh tell us a bit about how that went and what you did. Well, yeah, so usual we were we would drive a bit, see movement somewhere, stop, scan, um, identify the bird marks on less, uh, all that stuff. But some lifers for Declan and myself. Um, and then every time or the odd time we would stop and there would be, I don't know what to phrase them as, but the non-birders that are there for like the big five and stuff. We'd be stopping, looking through our binoculars or taking pictures with the cameras of birds. And like a fortuna or something would pull up next to us and the people would be like, hey, hey, what do you see? And we'd be like, oh, no, it's just a bird. And they give us this weird look and then they just speed off into the other direction, going looking for what they want. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. But I mean, that, that's that's kind of the beauty of it. You you get to look at the the smaller things and appreciate small things for what they are but yeah you know, some people just don't understand it and that's fun you know if you don't like looking at the small things that don't give the big adrenaline rush like a cheetah chasing an impala does that's fun if it's just if it's not for you it's not for you but i mean <laughs> birders have that gift of being able to stop and just listen and look for any movement and appreciate the small things for what they are and i think uh, many times it you know looking for birds leads to seeing something much more extraordinary than you expect yes indeed like in the past so i think last time i went to the kruger was 2015 or something we were there for i think a week we saw six leopards in total and the main way i spotted them i mostly spotted them was by doing the usual, just birding, stopping, seeing what we could find. And then I would see like the twitch. And I would think it's a bird, but it would turn out it would be the leopard's tail, either twitching in a tree while it's lying on a branch or walking through the bush. And that's how I would, that's how I would find them. Yeah, birding uh, creates a skill in one's head, being able to like identify the smallest of movements because you're always on the lookout for a new species or something. <laughs> so... Um, yeah, I must say that's that's something I'm very grateful birding has blessed me with, <laughs> a new skill. Um, now you guys uh, stayed, you guys stayed out the park, hey? Yes. Yeah, we stayed um, in Marloth Manor in Marloth Park, which is other side of the road of the restaurant, a bit further down. Um, but the restaurant is on the river, well, not, yeah, well, on the banks of the river that. Uh, border Kruger so it's like right there you still hear all the lions and the hyenas and all that and at one point we actually thought we heard a leopard but we couldn't really tell it was quite far away but um, 
it was right just outside the park, not very far, and there's still animals walking around that because there's no fences, it's just a river that's blocking it. So technically we were in the park, but we weren't actually in the park. Yo, that is so lovely. And how was your guys' stay there? There was the place we stayed at was wonderful. Like just uh being in the bush and hearing the sounds of the bush while you're brying. Um having warthog just approaching you a few meters away. Scary, oh, yeah? It's still beautiful seeing that. Um finding geckos the size of crocodiles, not actually, but still massive geckos. <laughs> yeah, you told me something about a gecko that attacked Declan. <laughs> it didn't yes, exactly it didn't. attack me, but um we didn't go catch it to look to get a close to look at it and to photograph it and then realized like this thing's actually very big and its face its head is massive could probably have a very painful bite so we decided to use my jacket to catch it but when when you try to use a jacket it ended up going crazy and ended up biting my jacket and tearing a hole in my jacket even doing a death roll like a croc <laughs> oh my word i mean you show me pictures of this thing and it's like the size of the length from my elbow to my wrist. Is, is it actually that size? Um, not exactly that big, but not much smaller. Yeah. Well, that, at least it wasn't grabbing your, your skin and doing a death roll. Yeah. <laughs> Another interesting thing that happened while we were trying to photograph this gecko. I don't know what the listeners are going to think about this, but we did nothing. So we had it on a stick, okay? So we were photographing it against like the dark background. The gecko then decided to jump off and while in midair, just suddenly ejected its tail off. It's quite weird actually, because if we, did, we didn't touch him. He was sitting on the stick and then he jumped off. And only after he jumped off, because he was on the stick for a little bit, he jumped off and only then did he drop his tail. Then we picked him up again and we realized he didn't have a tail. Hmm. That's quite weird. Yeah, do, do most geckos have that uh, defense mechanism? Um, I think all geckos and skinks have the ability to drop the tail, but I've only ever known them to do it if something's grabbing the tail. I've never seen one just drop it. Hmm, that is quite weird. Yeah. Well, did you guys see any more herps or birds on the way home? Any birds? I don't think we saw much birds on the way home other than the usuals, but um, we stopped off at a place and flipped some rocks and managed to get a montane dwarf burrowing skink, which was a laugher for me and Tristan. It was a laugher for me. I'm actually not sure if Tristan, it was a laugher for you, Tristan. Yeah, it was. Hmm, that's quite nice. So how many laughers would you say you got in total? Uh, Tristan, let's start with you. Uh, well, bird-wise, I got three laughers. So I got, obviously, the lesser white throat, um, Bennett's woodpecker, and white-headed vulture. And then reptile slash amphibian wise would be the Muller's Platana, the uh, Turner's Gecko, the Walsberg Velvet Gecko, and the Montane Wolf Burring Skink. And Declan, what, what would you say was your total? If you were to combine the birds and the reptiles together? I got 14 laughers all in total then, because oh. I got 10 species of birds. Um, that included the 
oh, I have to find it. But um, her price, or same as Tristan, I got the Wahlbergs, uh, Velvet Gecko, I got the the Turner's Gecko, the Montane Dwarf Bowing Skink, and then the Muller's Platana. Um, and bird-wise, I got the African Grey Hornbar, I got Purple Roller, White-Headed Vulture, Cutthroat Finch, Southern White Crown Shrike, Hooded Vulture, Greater Blue-Eared Starling, Brown-Headed Parrot, White-Browed Robin Chat, and a Red-Headed Finch. That's quite a quite a nice uh, list of birds you guys got there, and and herps as well. Uh, okay, no, that's fine. Yeah, no, I haven't seen many, haven't had many sightings of that species, but I mean, yeah, guys, that that's quite a substantial, if I can say, list of of birds and herps together. And I've, I've I'm hearing from more and more birders that they're actually into herping as well, um, and I think herping and birding goes quite well together. Uh, you know, if, if you don't see any birds flying above, you can always look under the rocks. And I heard from uh, you guys that uh, Zach, who was my previous guest on the podcast, was herping with you guys one day. And <laughs> what happened when he lifted that rock? Yeah, Tristan, you were there right next to him. So you could explain it much better than I had. But all I heard was this, I mean, what is Zach? Six foot something? This, he did quite a quite a loud yelp. but. I thought he like dropped a rock on his foot at first. I thought he like accidentally hurt himself. Yeah. And then so next thing I hear Tristan and Zach shouting that um, Zach flipped something that I just wouldn't believe would be flipped. So what did he find, Tristan? Yeah. So Declan's below us, we like 50 meters in front of him. Zach sees a nice rock with like a, I don't know how to say this, with like a, almost like a hole slash burrow thing going under it. So he lifts it, and as he lifts it, a puppet flies out from under the rock, and then he gives like a screech. <laughs> a screech. <laughs> yeah. So he flipped the puppets. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's quite funny. Okay, guys. Well, listen, it was a lack of chat to have with you guys. Um, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm quite inspired to do some herping. Might find some golden puppets around here next time I go in the mountains flipping rocks. So, yeah, man, thank you guys for the chat. It was nice to hear from you. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can check out The Birding Life on all your social media platforms and your preferred podcast players. Until next time, happy birding.